you're here. This is Bad Movies Week on the pod, and I have Watson joining me again for Yay. a good conversation. Hi, Watson. Hello. If you missed our first episode, we each selected five bad movies that we acknowledge are bad but love anyway. We also discussed one of our favorite bad movies, The Saint, starring the iconic Val Kilmer. Mm. We briefly considered a Val Appreciation Week. Which maybe, you know, we'll go back to. There's some great movies we could talk about. Some great bad movies. Because yes. almost all of them are bad. Can we watch Kiss Kiss Bang Bang? Oh, that one's good. <laughs> oh, I love him in that. Willow, Real Genius, Tombstone, Top Gun. There's just so many Tombstone. to choose from. Uh, maybe we'll have to keep that on the list. And, you know, in one of the in-between season of the seasons, we'll, we'll tackle that. very attractive He was. Oh, my goodness. He, in just, all just, of them. Even though he's, like dying and even just, like, as mad martigan like, with the long hair and willow i just <laughs> love him but today we're shifting gears just a smidge and we've come to the microphone with a list of movies that we think the critics judged too harshly movies considered bad but are actually good then we're going to do a not so deep dive into the 2008 paranormal romp the covenant <laughs> isn't really one of those types of movies that's actually good it's really not, it's not. we acknowledge it's bad we just wanted the opportunity to talk about it yes. because we think it should be talked about more to it be really completely should. honest so what is one of the movies on your list uh the first one on my list is actually the first one that always pops into my head whenever we're talking about like people tell me these movies are terrible but they're wrong and that is the 2005 sahara with matthew mcconaughey and penelope cruz steve zahn is in it delroy lindo william h macy like it has this phenomenal oh, nice. fracking cast uh-huh. and it's based on a series of books the dirk pitt novels by Clancy, yeah, but no, Cussler, right? I've Cussler, um, and it is this guy who works for Numa, a Marine salvage operation. Their former, he and Steve Zahn are former special forces, and then you've got Penelope Cruz, who is a WHO health worker in Africa. McConaughey wants to find the Civil War battleship that has apparently ended up in Africa, and right there, that right there. <laughs> yes. This is where it gets. It's why they think it's bad. Yes. But then you got Penelope Cruz chasing a plague, and somehow they both end up in the same place. Every single person in this movie is attractive. Yes. I mean, I just read off the cast. Even William H. Macy, I find him attractive. Mm -hmm. The soundtrack is impeccable. I mean, they got Grand Funk Railroad on this soundtrack. They've got Steppenwolf. They've got it is, oh, it's just a thing of beauty. It is my favorite go to road trip soundtrack. That CD is always in my car. It's it's the perfect road trip soundtrack. You got Sweet Home Alabama. You got it. It's fabulous. Um, Now, this movie is not to be confused with another movie. Called say also called Sahara that came on the '80s that had Lambert Wilson in it, who is the bad guy in this movie. In that one with Brooke Shields, he played an Arab sheik. Oh, yeah, he's French. That's tough. <laughs> it was really bad. I did watch that one too. But this, it is my go-to like summer blockbuster. Mm-hmm. This is exactly what I think a summer action flick should be. It's funny. It's lighthearted. It's a popcorn movie. Mm-hmm. There's nothing in there where you're like, oh my God, this changed my life. It will stay with me for you. I'm like, no, this is just, it's fun. I don't typically gravitate to those particular movies if we're being completely honest. Every time they release the Oscar nomination list, I'm like, those look fabulous. I don't want to watch them, though. It's not why I watch movies, just like it's not why I read books. I I want to be amused. Mm -hmm. Don't devastate me. That's no fun. Uh, so this one got 38% with the critics and 53% with the audience. And okay. I stand by that I think this is a good movie. 
Uh, my favorite review was a breezy summer action thriller that knows just what it is and has a ball being just that. Oh. And that is what I want from my yes. summer movies. Yes, it's I agree. Perfect. Well, I, I'm gonna, I hadn't planned on doing this one first, but because it follows a very similar theme, I'm going to talk about National Treasure. Oh. Uh, the Gates family is obsessed with finding the lost treasures of the Knights Templar, the, the, you know, the Library of Alexandria, all of those kind of relics of the past they think are buried and that they believe that there are clues hidden during the American Revolution that will lead them to this. And so Benjamin Gates, who is played by Nicolas Cage, which right Yay. there... That's why this is yes. <laughs> considered bad. Nicolas Cage knows exactly what he is. He, he does, and he plays it well. Mm-hmm. I mean, he hypes it up. He gets in with Sean Bean, uh, who is after it for, you know, the glory of it and the cash of it, where Gates is for the, you know, the history, history of it. And so he has kind of pure reasons where Sean Bean does not. And Sean Bean decides that after they, too, discover a Civil War ship where it should not be, <laughs> There's the other theme, yes, in in the, like, Antarctica or something. Um, It leads them to believe that there is a hidden message on the back of the Declaration of Independence. So So what else are you going to do with this juncture? You're going to steal it. (laughs) So that, you know, so somebody else doesn't steal it. And so it's a treasure hunt movie, and I think that's why I love it so much. I like clues. I I mean, Mm -hmm. I remember reading The Da Vinci Code and being like, this is great. Not because I believed anything that it was saying to me, but I just like that idea of the hunt. Here's the the clue, the puzzle. I've solved it. I have to go on to the next one. I adore escape rooms for that particular reason. Plus, Nicolas Cage is so charming in this, and he's so genuinely obsessed with like in love with history especially american history and he reveres it in a way that i think is just is beautiful in a sense not that he doesn't acknowledge that there is bad but Mm -hmm. that you know it's we came from something this this democracy was built on something you know there's an earnestness yes to it and he has the best sidekick in cinema history that was what i was like we have to talk about riley Riley is the best he's scared of just about everything and he's sarcastic as all get out my he has one of my favorite lines in the movie and in all movies, when Nicolas Cage is, they're trying to decide how they're going to steal the declaration. And he goes, well, what do you find in the preservation room? And Riley goes, delicious jams and jellies. And I just, he's so sarcastic, it's hilarious. But there's a sincerity to the movie that I just really have always really enjoyed. And it was one that I didn't realize people thought was bad. Like a lot of these, I didn't realize people thought they were bad. I just thought they were Good movies movies. that didn't do as well at the theater. That's surprising because it did get a sequel, which, if you watch, has a whole thing where they're running around the Library of Congress that made my little librarian heart very happy. You bring Library of Congress into it, you've got all the librarians involved. So it only got 46% from the critics, 76% from the audience. There we go. And this, my favorite review was, this movie couldn't be more stale if it had been dug up by archaeologists. (laughs) Oh, which I thought was kind of an excellent review, though. Yes, <laughs> but it was fabulous. Awful. But I enjoyed that one a Me lot. Too. And really, the the most shocking thing about the entire movie, Sean Bean doesn't does not die. die. He doesn't die. <laughs> he doesn't like, get a happy ending, but he doesn't die. No, he doesn't die. And and you know he's a bad, horrible man. But there's also a charm to him. Too like you mm-hmm. can see why he got enamored by Ben Gates at the beginning of the movie and wanted to be mm-hmm. a part of this journey, and then it kind of takes that shift of 
they have two very different priorities in the middle of it. And I could see myself if a Gates character uh-huh. type. Like, existed, yeah, we're doing. Are we yeah. doing this? Let's do this. Like you said, he's so excited, mm-hmm. and there's there's a genuine fascination with this history and where these things came from. That but like, okay, yeah, sure, yeah, yeah, yeah I'm we're going to steal go. the Declaration of Independence. <laughs> okay, I'm going to prison. <laughs> yep. This can be fun. All right, what's your next one? Uh, my next one is a movie that kind of disappeared as quickly as it showed up, and I feel like it didn't ever get enough love, but apparently, according to the critics, I was wrong. Uh, it is called Mr. Right, and it's from 2015. It's got Sam Rockwell in it, and I, oh my god, I love him so much. He, it is a sort of quirky, morally ambiguous action movie where Sean or uh, Sam Rockwell plays a hitman who doesn't want to do that anymore, so he like scares people but doesn't kill them or only kills the people that hire him it's it's a little disconcerting but he's also a john wick character on that everybody kind of fears him because he's just that good yes but he's hilarious so it's not like the stoic john Uh uh-huh it's it's, he puts a clown nose on and starts killing people and you're like what is going on and I firmly believe, and there's the, there's the manic pixie dream girl ass quirky character that he falls in love with, and and there's that whole thing. But I firmly believe that there is no movie or show or anything that cannot be improved by Sam Rockwell I dancing. Agree. I agree completely. <laughs> I mean, Charlie's Angels. 100%. I was like, okay, 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 and then you got that da na na na, and he starts dancing. And I was like, and I'm sold. Well, just. Sam Rockwell in general. He doesn't even have to dance for me. He doesn't. If he wants to play, you know, guy in Galaxy (laughs) Quest, if he wants to play just low-level manager of a water park in the way, way back, (laughs) if if he wants to play a man that's kind of going crazy on the moon, I will watch all of it because I love him so dearly. There is something, like, mesmerizing Mm -hmm. about him, and I think it's that he's not afraid to be bizarre with yeah. whatever it is there is no i must be the classically attractive male lead and keep the composure no it's just like i don't know what's oh, going on i'm just gonna dance around <laughs> and shoot some people with a clown nose on my face i love that um, one so that one got uh 44 from the critics and 57 percent from the audience so not that much of a difference on this one um but my favorite review was this is not high art cinema but for 90 minutes mr wright is just plain fun uh-huh. yep. which is perfect I loved it. I loved it, too. I loved it, too. I I did not see it in the theaters. It's one that I randomly picked up because I think I was in a Sam Rockwell phase and I was trying to watch all of his stuff because if you haven't picked that up, dear listener, I do that quite a bit. I become obsessed with one person or, you know, plot device and I'm like I'll just watch them all watch it for- and so I went through a Sam phase mine I also didn't see this next one I didn't see it in the theater I don't even remember it being in theaters to be completely honest it was one that we I think we might have gotten from Redbox and I sat down with my parents and watched it and we're like we love this movie like <laughs> it was funny I like this one and that is night and day Starring Tom Cruise and Cameron Diaz. Yeah, I don't remember that one hitting theaters. I don't either. remember it I being know in the theaters. Like, I saw it and I loved it, but I don't remember it. So it's about hmm. this woman named June who accidentally kind of finds herself in the middle of a government conspiracy when she boards a plane with, with Tom Cruise. That's maybe like... <laughs> That's the only thing she it. did wrong. Um, and Tom is... He's one. He's kind of a wanted man in a sense, but he is trying to protect this young scientist kid who has um, created a battery that I, I t- doesn't ever it's, go out. Yeah, like it's it's, super it's that same idea of the saint. This this 
power source. Yeah, infinite could, energy. Yes, infinite energy. Um, and come to find out, spoiler, that somebody else in the government has been trying to sell it to a different you know, country to get some money and that kind of thing. So uh, June ends up on this adventure with Tom Cruise. And Tom plays Roy, who is, I think he's hilarious. He doesn't mean to be hilarious. He's not trying to be slapsticky, but he, the way he kind of looks at her and some of the things he says, it's that earnestness again, Mm -hmm. that he is a good guy. And he's trying to protect her and he's trying to keep her safe. And she has no idea what's going on. And she's like, you need to stay away from me. What's this? And he's just so earnest about that, that it gets really funny. At one point he asks her, he's like, are you with me or without me? And he has his hand and it's going up and down, like with me, without me, with me, without me. And it just makes me laugh. There's running gags through it like that because that comes up again. Mm -hmm. Um, She then starts to fall for him because he is charismatic and he's the white knight. He's saving her and um, and takes her away to this island. This island that he yeah that he owns and she stupidly answers a cell phone so then everybody knows where they're at. There's some excellent action which is not surprising because it's tom cruise and he's Mm -hmm. an excellent action star Uh, it's just there's it's charming should it have won awards no it should not but if you like tom cruise action flicks Mm -hmm. i think you would love this one i loved it it. i did not know it was bad it reminded (laughs) me the most of mission impossible 2 like Mm -hmm. before that character got too jaded and when he was looser and a little bit more wisecracky and and not so like do the job kind of thing or do something crazy. Like to me, that's where that character was in terms of his filmography. I, I enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. So critics gave it 52%. The audience only gave it 49%. So the critics liked it more than the audience. My favorite was an unimaginative recital of car fueled multiplex cinema. And I was like, well, I like car fueled multiplex cinema. Yeah, I'm in. I think it's good. I've watched way too many Fast and Furious movies, like beyond the point where the rest of the planet was like, oh, hell no. (laughs) (laughs) I was still watching them. They're pretty. You had to explain one to me the other night as we were watching it. So that that is, yeah, did not realize it was bad, but that was the next one on my list. All right, what's up for you now? I enjoyed that one so much. Uh, the next one for me uh, was one that, again, I was shocked to find out that it was not as beloved as I thought it should be. And that is a movie called The Losers from 2010. <sighs> Love that one. It has uh, Henry Dean Morgan, who was who played the dad on Supernatural. If you've seen that, he's a very attractive man. He was also Negan in The Walking Dead. Um Danny on yes, Grey's Anatomy. Anatomy, the ghost that like made everybody hate the show. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, really? There's ghosts now? Whatever. Uh, but it's got him. It's got Chris Evans. It's got Zoe Saldana. It's got Idris Elba. I forget the name of the guy who plays Cougar, but everybody in Is it this like Columbus something. Maybe, maybe you, you keep, talking, keep talking. I'll look it up. Like everyone in this cast is insanely good looking. Like it's, it's painful. They're beautiful. Um, and it's got a pre. Um, Captain America, Chris Evans, back when he was still sort of in his um, comedy aid, before he did, you know, once he did Captain America, people sort of started going, oh, wait, he can do drama. He can do stuff with some depth. It's not just things like Perfect Score or um, Not Another Teen Movie where mm-hmm. he's just being silly. Um, but he's still got that vibe to the character. He's hilarious. Um, but what I did find out, and I think one of the reasons it didn't do so well, it came out the same year as the A-Team. And it has very similar it vibes. Very similar it's vibes. got that the the team with the military experts who are in this one. They're more screwing around. Like it's it's in the name. They're the losers. They don't. 
they'll blow crap up. <laughs> At one point in time, they're betting on, on cockfighting, and you're just like, what? What are you doing with your life? But then Idris Elba opens his mouth and starts to talk, and you're like, I don't care. <laughs> Very attractive. Um, and I think it's a fabulous summer action movie. Yes, but it's got one of the most hilarious villains. I it forgot does. this, but as I was looking at it, it's Columbus Short played Pooch and Oscar Ayen. Yes. Inada play Cougar, but Jason Patrick plays Max. Yes, he does. And he is ridiculous in it. I love him so he, much. He shoots a girl for not holding a parasol mm-hmm. over his head yes. in the way he wants it to be held. Like, he's, he's that kind of bad guy where, like, there's no redeeming, there's no multidimensional. He's, this is the bad guy. He's got the black hat. And you're like, okay, that's what I want in an action movie. So in one scene, they send Chris Evans into this office building <laughs> yes. to try to steal something. And he is on the elevator, and he's he's been stopped. Like, it's... They're there with guns, aren't they? Yeah, They're yeah, going they, to they, kill they, him. They pinned him into. But luckily for him, Cougar is in a different skyscraper, and he's a sharp, you know, sharpshooter. And so he, he's singing to "Don't Stop Believing," and he's like making a show of it. And then he does like "Okay, shoot" with his uh-huh. fingers. And no, no, he does finger guns oh, and tells right. people that he'll shoot them with their mind. And the guys that's are like, right. "What are you talking about?" And then he mime shooting one of them, and the guy actually goes down. Everybody's like, like oh, "What's shit. happening?" It's so funny. That's right. <laughs> I thought yeah, he did the okay thing. It does that after. Afterwards. He, he does that okay to Cougar. But yeah, I, I, Cougar was also very attractive. No, he was. Everybody uh-huh. is. Uh-huh. All of them. Um, so this one got uh, 48% with the critics and 54% with the audience scores. So not too bad. Um, and my favorite review was a complete package of guilty pleasure goofing off. Oh, which well, is what, what it is. Yeah, it's the feeling and what it was you get for it. They're, they're these guys that have been friends forever. Even when they're mad at each other or upset about the situation, they're still ribbing on each other. And I enjoy that sort of camaraderie yeah. in the movie. Was it Marvel or DC? Because it was a graphic novel It first. was. I, I want to like say it was DC. I think it was DC. Um, just because of the number of conversations about Chris Evans in the Marvel Universe, they only ever bring up Fantastic Four and okay. this, so I'm assuming DC. Although um, I imagine comic book fans, are, any listening, are like, well, da because <laughs> I don't know the comic books, okay? I know no. movies. Sorry, Eric. <laughs> All right, my next one, again, did not know it was bad. Did not see it in the theater either, which surprises me because of the star. I thought I saw all of his movies oh my, in the what theater is this? because I loved him so much. Uh, and this is the movie Lucky Number Slevin, oh. starring Mr. Josh Hartnett and Bruce Willis and Lucy Liu and Morgan, Morgan Freeman, Freeman and Pitt Kingsley. Yeah, there's a lot of people in it. Uh, Stanley Tucci, Stanley yeah, Tucci. Stanley, yes. I love him. Uh, but I, yeah, I did not, I didn't, another one I just didn't realize was bad until people were like, no, that's a bad movie. It's like, oh, mm-hmm. okay. I thought um, it was just more of like a cult film kind of thing. Well, yeah. Like- and they said it was kind of a, it was trying to be Pulp Fiction, but couldn't pull it off. So mm-hmm. it does a lot of flashbacks. It's not kind of a linear movie in that because mm-hmm. you are learning about this man. It's a mistaken identity movie. Um, he kind of is down and out this Josh Hartnett Slevin he goes to stay with a friend and then he is basically kidnapped by some thugs because they believe that he was a gambler that owes them money mm-hmm. and so yeah they believe he is his friend he is his and friend he has gotten mugged so he doesn't and have he's his wallet trying to tell them like no that, that's my friend it's my friend so they finally let him back and he's got to pay this money but then he gets kidnapped by another crime family and has the same experience there as well come to find out that he 
is in the position he wanted to be. His whole mm-hmm. goal was to get in front of these people because he's really seeking vengeance for the death of his father at the, you know many 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 moons ago. Um, so it's it's got a lot of twists and turns. Lucy Liu is just absolutely adorable as the girl she next is. door. She is that same manic pixie dream girl kind of character that she's quirky and fun and talks a lot and is fast and wants this mystery and gets all excited about it but then you also see her like what are you doing wait a second this is dangerous what yeah. are she she is all in a little mm-hmm. too quickly a little too quickly <laughs> although if you're going to cast just an fyi to hollywood if you're going to cast two mob bosses you gotta do what this movie did. Yes. <laughs> you want Morgan Freeman and Ben Kingsley in skyscrapers on opposite sides of the street staring at each other because they used to be partners, but now they hate each other and they might kill each other and you just, you love them both. I think it's brilliant. And I it keeps you, you kind of figure some stuff out um, as the movie goes along, but when the ending comes, it is so... Yes. Like, oh, that felt good. Like, I, it all came together. It was very satisfying ending. I really enjoyed that one. Well, it, and the cinematography and the art design. It is a different looking gorgeous. movie. Yeah. Again, much like Pulp Fiction, which just had a different feel to it as mm-hmm. well. It's kind of like a very dark Wes Anderson mm-hmm. in that sense of like, this isn't real Stylized life. in a yeah. particular. When you see the friend's apartment that Hartnett goes to stay at, you're like, nobody's apartment <laughs> looks like this. Uh-huh. Like there's some very bold wallpaper and you're just like, what is this? But I, I loved the movie. I thought it was wonderful. 51% from the critics, 87% from the audience. So there the audience enjoyed it. With its diabolical ending, this is the movie equivalent of a crossword puzzle. Fun, clever, and disposable. Which I was like, uh, hurts a little bit, but I'll watch it again and again and again. Oh, that is on my rewatch list. I I enjoy that one. Yep. All right. What's next for you? All right. My next one is Broken Arrow from 1996. Now, this movie, this is one I actually called my mother because I was like, was this bad when it came out? Because it came out in 1996, which means I was nine, so I wouldn't remember. I was like, how did this do when it came out? And she's like, it didn't do all that well, I don't think. Like, okay, can go on the list then. (laughs) I love this movie. And part of that has to do with my deep love of Christian Slater. Yes. I, Emily knows this. We've discussed this before. Pump Up the Volume is one of my favorite films. I, oh, it's fabulous. <laughs> and I think highly underrated. Yes. Phenomenal soundtrack, but it's sort of kicked off my love of Christian Slater. Broken Arrow is like a peak 90s action yes. film. It's got Christian Slater and John Travolta who are pilots of a um, one of those stealth bombers, the big black scary triangle looking ones. And they're in Utah. And they're doing basically test runs with nuclear weapons. I don't know if the government actually does this, but, you know, apparently in 90s action movies, they do. Um, And John Travolta's character has decided that mid one of these little, like, big loop-de-loops they're doing in the air, that he is going to steal the two nuclear weapons on the plane. And knocks out Christian Slater, drops the nukes, and from then on it is like a race between the two of them. Christian Slater is trying to get to the nukes and protect them. John Travolta has already sold them, so he wants them back. John Travolta is like a mustache-twirlingly evil bad guy in this. He relishes it. He has fun with it. He's taunting Christian Slater. It is so much fun. And then as Christian Slater is running across the Utah desert or whatever this land is it looks like a national park of some sort he meets up with a national park guard played by samantha mathis who is also from (laughs) pump up the volume but she starts yelling at him for doing things to like stepping on endangered plants and he's like we have priorities here woman (laughs) so they're trying to get the nukes and my favorite repeated line in the whole movie because 
um, John Travolta has his little, like, his bad guy minions with him, and they all have lots and lots of weapons, and they're trying to get the nukes back, because Christian Slater has got them now, and so they're shooting at them, and John Travolta has to keep, like, slamming into guys going, please don't shoot the thermonuclear <laughs> weapons! <laughs> I was like, yes! And it was repeated, like, six times. But... I, this is one of my favorite action movies. It's just so much fun. It got 54% with critics, 44% Ooh. with the audience. So apparently I am in the minority here. I just don't care. Um, and my favorite quote, review quote was, Broken Arrow is beautifully crafted, mindless entertainment. Nothing more, but also nothing less. Oh, yeah. It was what it was. It's true. What and it he does kill, I'm remembering now, they end up on a train at the I end, the train fighting part. over the weapons, because Travolta is like, screw it, I'm just going to set one of them off. I've already <laughs> lost, so I'm just going to blow it up. What the heck? Yeah. And then Christian Slater kills him with the nuke. It goes a little Terminator at the end. <laughs> <laughs> but it is a very fun movie. My next movie has the exact same scores, 54% and 44%. So dun, I, dun, too, dun. am in the minority. And that is The Mexican, starring Brad oh. Pitt. And Julia Roberts. Um, so there's this guy, Jerry, played by Brad Pitt, who is just kind of, he's not so smart. He, he's not ambitious. He has, you know, has no drive. And he accidentally becomes beholden to a crime syndicate As when he crashes a car. There's a car accident. And so now he owes them. And so they send him to do these jobs to pay back what he owes. And one of those jobs, which he is hoping is his last job, is to go to Mexico and to pick up this antique gun referred to as the Mexican. Uh, so he, his girlfriend, Julia Roberts, is like, if you go, I'm going to leave you because she's just tired of this whole arrangement that they have. And he's like, well, I'd rather be alive because if I don't go do this, they'll kill me than, you know, deal with my angry girlfriend. So he <laughs> goes down to Mexico to get this gun. And because he's Jerry, it does not go as planned. Um, he's supposed to pick up this guy's grandson because he knows where the gun is. Well, the grandson gets shot in a... You know, a Mexican bar they're all shooting in the air and he just accidentally gets shot so now Jerry's got to deal with that too meanwhile um, Samantha Jerry's girlfriend Julia Roberts has been kidnapped by another group that wants the gun and um, what's the Sopranos guy's name oh. why did I just blank yeah I don't know Tony yeah. Soprano yeah um, <laughs> Tony Soprano is has kidnapped her and he's this assassin, this hitman, and he's like, you know what, just do what we say, and as long as Jerry follows through, you know, we won't kill you. But then they end up sparking this this friendship and it's it's a ridiculous movie, but it's also like a story within a story within a story within a story. So you have Jerry's story of trying to get out from under the thumb of this mob boss you have samantha's story of wanting a different kind of life then you have the history of this gun so there's lots of flashbacks about how Ooh. this gun has affected families and stuff and um how it kind of came to be what they referred to as cursed because uh in during the making of the gun someone accidentally died in the same way that that poor guy's grandson died so it's it's those little chunks of story all throughout that i really kind of like that you want to see how it all comes together at the very end. Plus, it's Brad, it's Brad Pitt. Mm -hmm. And anytime he's always <clears throat> eating and is not so smart, you know, he's it's a good time. I've really enjoyed him. Based solely on the trailers for Bullet Train, because I have not actually seen oh, the I movie yet, it kind of sounds like Jerry grew up to become yeah. the character I, I would not Train. be surprised. There's humor where there needs to be humor. There's kind of some serious conversations where there needs to be serious conversations, especially with Tony Soprano. 
can't, I don't know why uh, I can't remember his name, and Julia Roberts um, and their relationship. But 54 from the critics, 44 from the audience. And the review I liked is, it just sits there, doing nothing that a competent made-for-cable movie with C-list stars couldn't do. <laughs> All <laughs> right, little... then. All right, what's your uh, last one? It's like reading bad book reviews. It I just is, yeah. I love them so much. Uh, my last one is The Sorcerer's Apprentice from 2010 oh, with Nick one. Cage. This is one, again, kind of like National Treasure, where I was surprised because to me, it the this movie did exactly what the trailer mm-hmm. said it would do. It didn't say it was going to change the world. It said it was literally taking a short from Fantasia of Mickey wearing a sorcerer's hat and getting into trouble with a bunch of brooms and water and turning it into a movie. Mm-hmm. Which is fabulous. But it is about Nick Cage's character, who is this sorcerer. I got Alfred Molina and, oh my god, I forgot the woman's name. I don't know. She was in that Nicholas Sparks movie. That one? Monica Bellucci. Oh, that one. Yeah, no, no, that one. Um, Way back in the day, and they're sorcerers, but Alfred Molina goes evil because, of course, why not? Why not? Um, He often does. And in order to stop him, Nick Cage... traps him in a jar and cut to several centuries later you've got the very young um, jay burchelle's character who accidentally sets him free and he then has to like years later nick cage comes back and gets him and trains him to be a sorcerer even though he really doesn't want to and he's very grumpy and cranky about this whole thing and he's like i don't need you're gonna die like you're terrible at this what's wrong with you and poor jay burchelle is he's like a physics student he's like i just want to play with my tesla coils <laughs> and talk to the pretty blonde that i've been working up the courage to talk to and listen to one years. republic songs i know oh my god <laughs> Um, so then it's basically, yeah, they they do fall on, do the scene with trying to clean up the lair at one point where there's water and all of mm-hmm. the brooms. And I was like, ah, oh, it's just like out of Fantasia. Um, but it's fun. I mean, you got Alfred Molina swooping around being evil for the sake of being evil because he wants to take over the world. And okay, yeah, sure. I'll, I'll buy that. He's an evil wizard. Um, Nick Cage slowly learning, you know, to, to care about this young yeah. boy and the boy trying to balance being a sorcerer and wanting to talk to the pretty girl. It's pretty. It's shiny. The music is fun. Yep. It's it was a fun movie. Again, it's a movie that wasn't trying to be anything other than it was, mm-hmm. and that's why I kind of hate when critics give those scores. I think you need to take that into consideration. Like, what is the intent? What's the purpose? What's the audience of this movie? Yeah. Oh well, then this is hitting all of those marks. This is what this is supposed to be. Uh-huh. Sure, let's give it you know eighty percent because it's doing what it it was setting out to do. Exactly. I think it's a lot of fun. So that one got 40% from the critics, only 53% from the audience, which oh. made me very sad. Mm-hmm. I was like, this well, I thought I was, it was there. I thought very it was entertaining. Uh, and my favorite review was Nicolas Cage's performances have become infinitely more entertaining the more ludicrous the characters and sillier the stories. That is true. I still haven't seen his the new one where he plays himself. I want to see that. With Pas- Pedro Pascal. We need to yes, look that Pedro up. Pascal I want to see that one. But yeah, I mean, it was that to me was, it, again, it was exactly what it was supposed mm-hmm. to be. And it was fun. So my last one is a rom-com, an Ooh. adorable, sweet little rom-com called Penelope about Aww. a girl who is born with the nose of a pig. Uh, she comes from a very wealthy family and it's believed that she is cursed. And so her mother is convinced that if she can marry one of her own, if she can convince a rich young man to marry her, that they would break the curse. A blue-blooded so, young yes, man. Yes, yes. And so she is 
put in front of just a parade of suitors to try to see if one of them would potentially fall in love with her. And one day from, and it's like a two way glass, a one way glass thing. She Mm -hmm. can see them. They can't see her. She has conversations with them through the window. Um, she meets this man who comes in and his name, she thinks his name is Max, but it's not Max. Um, he is not a blue blood, but he is pretending to be a blue blood because she is deeply offended a blue-blooded guy who thought he was really going to marry somebody beautiful or coming in to woo her and then found out that she was a pig nose and is a monster. So he's played by Mr. Bingley from Kira Knightley's Which Pride and Bridges. A completely different character and it yes. made me so happy. And he is working with Peter Dinklage and they're trying to out her because she is kind of a prisoner in her own home. She doesn't get to go out. She is nobody her mother does not want anybody to see her in this state not until this curse mm-hmm. is broken so she meets max um they have some great conversations but um max realizes that he is he knows now i'm not a blue blood i can't break the curse so she disguised to kind of just leave home she's gonna go live her life whatever you know i've got a pig nose we'll cover it up with a scarf i'm just gonna go live my life so she does that with sends her mother into a tizzy and um It's about a woman kind of coming into her own, being comfortable with who she is, realizing that she herself had the power to break the curse all along, which she does. Mm. She does get to eventually be with Max, who is actually named Johnny, who did genuinely fall for her, but decided not to be with her because... Because he didn't think he could he didn't break the think curse. He could break the curse, Played and he wanted that for by her. James McAvoy. Not yes. looking his best in this one. No, but it's so I will wonderful. Say that. I still love him. It is, but part of me is going, she looks so adorable. She She's does. got the hair and the clothes. It's the quirky it's clothes. It's another adorable. very stylized movie. It is. But then you got it up against him, and I'm like, there's some very different yeah. appearance rules happening here. He's well, he had to be the him. antithesis of the blue blood, he I did. think. He had to be kind of the scrubby. He's actually like a gambling addict and mm-hmm. and a musician who she helps him kind of get, not through money or anything, but just confidence, get back on his feet and, you know, start mm-hmm. cleaning himself up a little bit. You have Reese Witherspoon, who just plays a delivery woman, who's the new just quirky nice. friend. Like I said, it's very stylized. It's very colorful. Colorful. Um, the house that Penelope, Penelope's room is just amazing. Is. At and least if they held her prisoner, they made it a cool prison. And her dad is is played by Richard E. Grant, oh, yes. who I I love. I do love He's him. He's hilarious. I fell in love with him in L.A. Story. That's. <laughs> One day I'll talk about LA story because okay. I bring it up a lot because I love it so much. So it got 53% from the critics, 73% from the audience. So the audience yeah. kind of liked it. And my favorite review was I can truthfully say that watching this abysmal fantasy comedy is less rewarding than being slapped across the face with the large wet fish. <laughs> Who writes that? I Aww. think that's, they just sit there and they're like, what can I write? How mean can How I be? How mean can I be? How ridiculous can I be? It was very much a fairy tale. It was a modern and I thought it was fabulous. Christina Ricci did an amazing job as she Penelope. Did. You also have um, Moira. Yes. <laughs> oh my God. Um, you. What's her name in real life? I just forgot her name. From Schitt's Creek and uh-huh. Home Alone and the mom from Home yeah. Alone. She plays... The mother, who is just overbearing, but also just care. She wants the best for her daughter. She just doesn't know how well to. Then the reason that Peter Dinklage is on, he's he's a newspaper man who is on this quest to expose her, and as which is why he ends up with the blue blooded guy, because he was trying to get pictures of Penelope (laughs) as an infant, and the mother like smacked him with something hard enough to make him lose his eye. (laughs) Yes, and now he's on like a vendetta against the family. There's. 
bizarreness happening in this movie, but it is so much fun. Much like Sam Rockwell, all movies can be made better with Peter Dinklage, yes. in, my, in my opinion. Uh-huh. I adore him. All right, so we've picked out yet another bad movie to kind of talk about. One that makes the list, one of the lists. It's actually the last episode's list. We acknowledge that it's bad, but we love it anyway. And that is The Covenant, directed by Rennie Harlan. Harlan also directed Cliffhanger uh, with Sylvester Stallone, Die Hard 2, Deep Blue Sea, and to my delight, several episodes of Burn Notice, which is (gasps) one of my favorite TV shows ever. The screenplay was written by J.S. Cardone, Cardone. According to his IMDb, paranormal horror seems to be his niche. That's about all he does. Like, literally, that's all he does. Lots of movies like Alien Hunter and Puppet Master and Prom Night, just a lot of slasher kind of movies. The Covenant came out in 2006 and starred Stephen Strait, who you kind of thought his career was going to blow up, did not. Yeah, he kept almost mm-hmm. hitting it and then and then not. Sebastian Stan, huh? who I, I'm like, he's fine. Like, he's not one of my favorite. What cracks me this. up so much in this movie. So they are swimmers in this movie. If Watson gets to that, probably not in the plot. <laughs> but they, they are often, you know, just in their Speedo walking around. And, and so there's... Taylor Kitsch, who's also in this, who's, like, rock solid. Stephen Strait, like, rock solid. And then there's Sebastian Stan, who is, like, not as much. <laughs> Just like He didn't have as much oh. prep time as everybody else. <laughs> you didn't do as many crunches, did you? That's okay. Yes, but he does get to call, claim he's going to make one of the other ones his weach at does. one point. <laughs> so, does. you know, he's got the lines. He's and the right there, credit. that is why. He does so many horrible one-liners in this movie that is one of the reasons but also toby hemingway laura ramsey uh chase crawford i did not so i re-watched it today just to kind of refresh <laughs> my mind and i did not realize so taylor kitsch's girlfriend who gets the spider bites and gets into mm-hmm. that is uh, billy from the resident if you watch the resident uh-huh. and i completely forgot that and that just changed the whole movie for me <laughs> completely Box office report, the movie had an estimated $20 million budget. It only earned $8 million its opening Ooh. weekend, grossing $23 million domestically and $37 million worldwide. So it did earn back its budget, but ugh, not well. For reference, Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Man's Chest was the highest grossing film of the year, making over $1 billion worldwide. The Da Vinci Code came out, Casino Royale, which is in my top 10 favorite oh. movies of all time, Night at the Museum, Cars, and Mission Impossible 2. So it was a busy year of action movies again. Um, so Watson, can you give us another brief summary of The Covenant? Um, Maybe. This one's a little wonky here. So you've got... Um the starts out with the girl, I believe, Sarah. She's moved into this very New England boarding mm-hmm. school. And she meets a roommate, and the roommate invites her to a party. It's out on the beach, and everybody's screwing around. And then you meet these four boys, and they're all standing on a, a cliff top. You yes. guys, the Stephen Strait, the, your Taylor Catch, the, all, they're all up there. And in order to get to the party, they decide to just step off the cliff. Uh-huh. And when magical. they do, their little eyes yeah. Yeah, shift their eyes colors. Yeah, their go all black um and they are these sons of ipswich and everybody knows who they are not because of the magic but because their families like founded this town they're the descendants of the founders of the town and they also are all male witches i guess i I guess we don't do warlock it's just it's male witch all right um but 
using their powers after a certain age has like detrimental effects on their body. You can become addicted to it and it like sucks the life out of you. Um, and then enter Sebastian Stan's character, who we slowly come to find out is actually the descendant of the fifth family that was sort of ostracized because the guy actually impregnated her after he died. It was like a dream incubus something or other. It's, yeah. They, okay. They're a little iffy with the plot line here. Yes. You just, you just kind of go with it. Um, but so Steven's date straight falls for the pretty blonde girl. They realize they have to have this massive fight. And at 18, they ascend. Yes, so they, they ascend. get their full powers at the age of 18. And Sebastian Stan wants to steal all of their powers yes. because he has become power hungry, mm-hmm. magic hungry. Yes, he, he has already ascended and your people, the, the other men within your family can will their power to you. So now he has both his and his father's and he wants the rest of the boys. So he wants to like basically beat them down until they, they give it up. Yeah, so they he can... blackmails them basically. Yes. To the... But spoiler, Stephen Strait's dad at the last minute who he's supposed to be 44, but he looks like he's 104 uh-huh. because he's used his power too much. Things. He wills him his power and... Um, Saves the day. Their power confuses me. Well, one, the action is horrible because you can tell they're on wires the whole time with yes. the way they float around. And why the heck? Okay, so they, there's this massive fight coming and they're like, let's get up and get dressed up and go to prom. Yes. And let's and fight in a barn with all of these sharp, you know, <laughs> there's no logic. Farm tools in there. But then, so their power looks, I don't know if you've ever watched, um, oh my goodness, Dragon Ball Z. <laughs> Where they it have the, like that. the the power the ball, power the orb. Thing. That's what it is, but it looks mm-hmm. like water. Yeah, it looks I, it like makes... water on a speaker, like that sort yes, of ferromite spiky. Make it, and, and they just they... toss it back and forth at one each other, one another, and it's ridiculous. <sighs> so bad. And it's one of so them attacks the, the the other one's girlfriend with spiders, and then makes Taylor Kitsch crash crash his pretty pretty motorcycle. Yeah. and then there's just it's it's all over the map. <laughs> it's all over the map. But it's, it's so not much fun. Great. So great. It only got 4%. Oh, that wins. 4% from the critics, 62% from the audience. Taylor hey. Kitsch, Stephen yes. Strait, Sebastian Stan. Abs. pretty in that movie. This is why it got there. Uh, my favorite review was director Rennie Harlan helms like a bat out of hell and obviously doesn't know a pentagram from a mammogram. <laughs> <laughs> I Long, they just just sat oh there and was God. like, "What rhymes with pentagram?" <laughs> oh, so bad. But oh that God. is it for today. Thank you for joining me, Watson. I appreciate <laughs> it. We're gonna kick off season eight next week with all things Austin. So we're gonna Yay. go through all of the different Austin movies and adaptations. Thank you so much for listening. Really, it is so appreciated. If you haven't already, I hope you subscribe so that we can keep going on this journey together. And if you've got the time, it would be awesome if you could rate and review. Review <laughs> review the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts so that other people can find a bit of fun with Emily as well. Or if you want to share the podcast, that would be awesome too. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at, at GnomeGirlM and on Facebook as a bit of fun with Emily. So have yourself a bit of fun today and I will see you.